0: Welcome to another episode of the Real Life Oscar Challenge. As always, I'm your host, Mike Levito. To my left, our co-host... Oh, it's Lars Emerson here. Yes, he's he's writing notes for some reason. I'm transcribing. Okay, important. Why? I don't know. Just do it once it's recorded and you don't have to, like, keep up. <laughs> and my other co-host, Kathleen Levito. Hello, everybody. Um... Yeah. We watched the movies again. It took us a while this it time. It did take us a long time. We tried to fit them all in before we all went home for Christmas. Did not work. We actually did not even get halfway through um, before then. But we we did it eventually. Um, new year, new me. Yes, new year, new us. Right. Yes. But the year that I watched the movies from was 2001. Altogether, not really a great year. Not it had some moments. I think it was on net a good year. When I'm saying not a good year, I was thinking sort of like wider scope world events. Oh, 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 okay. <laughs> not a great year. We had a couple terrorist attacks. Um, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick became a thing. Stock market crashed. Stock market crashed. But most importantly, I turned seven, Lars turned six, and Kathleen turned five.
1: This is Correct. This is the new intro I'm trying out (laughs)
0: because when we did the first three episodes, I was like, oh, 1994 lists off events, and I was born. We did the same thing for 95 and 96. But we did all that, and also a couple of movies were nominated for Best Picture. We watched those movies. Those movies were A Beautiful Mind, Gosford Park, In the Bedroom, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, and Moulin Rouge.
1: Moulin Rouge.
0: So let's get right into it and start with A Beautiful Mind. Mike's favorite. <laughs> Directed by Ron <laughs> Howard, written by Akiva Goldman, based on the book at the same name by Sylvia Nacer. Starring Russell Crowe, Ed Harris, Jennifer Connelly, Paul Bettany, Adam Goldberg, Judd Hirsch, Jock Lucas, Anthony Rapp, Christopher Plummer. This movie is about mathematician and economist John Nash, um, who is a grad student at Princeton University, um, and is doing some very important work on game theory and cryptography and is actually hired by the CIA to help them crack some Russian codes. He also falls in love with Jennifer Connolly, um, who is, you know, very concerned about his work because it seems dangerous and all-consuming but is it really work and does he really see what he thinks he sees? The questions posed intriguing. and answered halfway through the film. Um, who, who wants to go first? Because I think there's a split in opinion here.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think a little bit. I think so this film um it did end up winning best picture. It did. I yes. think it's important to yes. start with that because mm-hmm. it's going to shape the rest of this. <laughs> um it probably should not have won best picture. And I I have a sort of sort of positive view on this film. I used to be a much more ardent defender of it than I am now. Um I really like John Nash. John Nash is like my favorite economist. Um, as Michael Levito is fond of saying, he deserves a better movie. Mm-hmm. I think I agree with that. I, I think I disagree with how how hated and despised this film has been by Michael Levito. <laughs> <laughs> um, we can't it's... address each other directly. It's the gentleman from New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. <it's... laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, there's there's I think there's a lot of really great moments in this movie. Um, the scene where. Um, they're all in the bar and they use game theory to hit on women, um, <laughs> even though they kind of actually, practical application yeah, of economics. Um, they kind of actually do it wrong. <laughs> um, uh, I think that one's good. I think the scenes where he's like thinking and he sees the numbers in the air are really good. Um, and I think there are some some sweet moments with. I, I think Russell Crowe does a pretty good job of being like sad. Genius. Sad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sad boy. Um, yeah, I think I think the last several years of this have actually given me a pretty good appreciation for Russell Crowe. Um, yeah. He's no, he's I I really I'm like Russell Crowe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That being said, there there are some there are some there's some problems. There's some problems with this movie. I, I will admit. I I will, I will admit. Um a lot of it's a little weird. <laughs> um, it doesn't look great all the time. It's, yes. like, sort of a period piece, and
0: then it's, like... well, oh, it is. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. It takes place in, like, the 40s and 50s.
2: Yeah. The, the the like, the intrigue and shock value really wears off. Yes. It, like, yeah. gets real old. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole, he has to go back, the whole, like, schizophrenia, like reoccurring within him is like yeah we we got it yeah we figured it out um yeah i don't yeah i don't actually have a lot to say that's very like very pro but i don't have a lot to say that's very anti i think that's where i've come down this time
0: okay
2: kathleen this is the first
0: this is your first time seeing. this is it. my
1: first time seeing it this is probably my last time seeing it Um, I feel like I kind of concur with Lars Where there's not a lot of good to say Not a lot of bad to say Mostly I will say that I am not in favor of this film I I felt the pacing was just kind of off Like it it was fine until you found out that he had schizophrenia And then it's like I was waiting for it to build up to that point Expecting it to like kind of end then Or like conclude the end But it really just kind of kept on dragging on And it wasn't super enthralling before that point, and then after that point, I was just ready for it all to stop. Um, I think that what they could have done was either make this a movie about some man realizing he has schizophrenia, and then doing that kind of like that was the climax, quick ending kind of thing. Or this could have been a movie about a man who realizes he has schizophrenia and then figures out how to cope with it while also being an incredibly bright economist. Um... They didn't do either of those, so it was kind of flat and weird timed, weirdly timed. Um, and then also, like, I am someone who is like all about like, I ma- mental health is one of my passions, so like, I was excited to see a very successful person um, be represented through the lens of a mental illness. But they didn't do. I don't feel like they did the time period justice in terms of like how to how how that time period, how the forties fifties treated mental health. Um, I think even. They represented him taking pills in the film, and he, that wasn't actually what would have happened during the time period. So I just think it was, like, poorly executed. It's, like, fine. Like, I feel like this is a movie, I don't know, like, this is the kind of movie. I don't think this movie exactly, because I don't know where this would fit into a school curriculum. This is, like, the kind of movie that we would watch during class, and everyone would be all about it because you're not doing schoolwork, you know?
2: We did. We watched it for our psychology class in oh, school. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It was our final. We had to diagnose what he had by the end of the film, which, of course, they tell us, like, three yeah. times in the last <laughs> hour of the film.
0: That is anticlimactic. Yeah, I uh, got an A. Did you turn it Like paper, or
1: was it just like, it was oh, like, teach, I got it?
2: Well, it was a little more. It was like, you start, because you learn about all the mental health issues, and it's like, you have to you have to write down your thought process from the beginning of the film. So it's like, you start, and you have to guess what he has. And it's like, oh, maybe he's a narcissist. Maybe he's mm. like, mm. he doesn't interact well with people. Maybe he's got this. Maybe he's got that. And then, like, you start to build towards, oh, he's got schizophrenia. And then they're like, you've been diagnosed with schizophrenia. And you're like, oh, nice. <laughs>
0: then you get an A.
1: A plus. <laughs> Very good. Very good.
0: Yeah, I, um... I'm not a fan of this movie. I to me, it's just like the, the kind of like treacly, sort of hagiographic, hey, like biography movie that I just think sort of is just really, really boring and, and sort of like grating and cloying. Um, it's like he's just it's one of those movies that starts out where you're just kind of supposed to believe that he's the most brilliant and attractive and smartest man in the world, and Russell Crowe, very good looking man. Um, but I, 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 just think that, or at least he was, um, I, <laughs> a little less so now. I, I, I just think that, um, it, it, the, yeah, the, the whole gimmick of, so he thinks he's working for the CIA. He's really not. He's hallucinating that he's working for the CIA. And I, you find out, I would say like what, halfway through the film that he's actually hallucinating. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's a good story to be told there about someone Overcoming schizophrenia um, and learning how to live with it, and also perform at a high level intellectually. Um, but I just think that it, it, it instead tries to manufacture suspense and drama from his hallucinations. Um, and, and I do think, again, I, I think part of that is maybe the reality of living of someone living with a mental illness that they sort of refuse to treat. i Where um, you know a, a lot of it is sort of focused on his wife um struggle with like trying to make sure that he you know she's not entirely sure that she's comfortable being alone with their infant child um she discovers him having just basically sort of having like a like a drawstring map and like all these like crazy drawings and like their 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 uh their shed and that's kind of like tiring and it's probably tiring in real life too so i understand that but overall it's i just think it's 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 clearly just embellished to a great degree. And they're just little, like, things that, like, I just aren't, like... So one of the things he's hallucinates is a roommate played by Paul Bettany. My first thought was actually very bummed to find out he was hallucination because he seemed like a really cool guy. But, like... True. <laughs> when um, John Nash goes to apply, he presents some research or he applies for something I don't remember. And it's, like, he's talking to the, his superior in the desk. And, like, right outside the window, Paul Bettany's, like, cheering him on like, this just looks kind of fake and weird and, like, there's no way that would actually be allowed to happen. Kathleen, you had something to so. say.
1: Uh, yes, let me think. Oh, the thing that also bummed me out or bothered me about this film is going back to to him, the half of the film that's spent with him trying to um, cope with his mental illness or find a way that is, like, effectively treated while he can still function It's also just a letdown because I feel like they never take it anywhere from there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. like, I feel like I, I remember the movie turned off and I just had so many questions because I was like I don't understand like did they show him getting a Nobel Prize yes which
2: yeah. never, which he did get it but he was not there this and that's is also okay. a, I, dumb that's gotta, a dumb scene I've got yeah no I've got no, <laughs> like, I was thing. just confused about
1: like I never understood how he came to balance his life. Um, mm-hmm. And so the movie turned off, and I immediately like Google this guy because I just didn't understand yeah. the timeline of any of this. I didn't understand if he went on to live a happy and healthy life. I just didn't. I just didn't understand what was happening. So I think that they did the character, the real person, injustice by not.
0: Yes.
2: Yeah. So that's my broader point. I was gonna build to is like there's a way better way, and a way smarter way, and a way better story that this movie could have been. Is like they. Ron Howard decides that it would be more fun to, to tell, like, a Cold War, like, spy thriller instead of, like, telling the actual, like, psychological sort of history of John Nash. Who's mm-hmm. like, you've got, like, you know, his potential homosexuality, you've got, like, years and years of struggling with schizophrenia, like, the ramifications on his work, and, like, how, like, how young he was when he came up um, with the Nash Equilibrium, um, and, you know, his, his on and off relationship with his wife it's like there's a way better story to tell that ron howard just told like this is like this story would kill like in, in like an oscar movie today if they told it like the actual way mm-hmm. it's like oh yeah. you've got like this old um you know this like old famous guy who was probably gay and you know may or may not have suffered through all this um mean it's very similar to uh Imitation Game. Yes, the Imitation Game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's the way to tell this movie. Um, um, yeah, they they and there's like an art. There was an article we all read after this. Like they they throw out the most interesting parts of his life yeah, to yeah. make it like a spy thriller that doesn't. That's like yeah. the least interesting part of the movie.
0: <laughs> it's just like a very ho- Hollywood eyes version of his story. Yeah. Like the, there's like little flourish at the end that really pissed. Like the whole thing this thing they actually completely made up where it's like, ah, like, Princeton faculty, like, if they get presented with pens by their colleagues for whatever reason, yeah. and it's like he has to start over and, and kind of works as, like a, like, a... I guess he's just, like, a, like a TA, basically, because he, he, he sort of comes back um, from a few years out of academia. Um, and it's like he's sitting in the faculty lounge and they they all come with uh, with their pens and it's this real just sort of, like supposed to be this very heartwarming moment but it's just like clearly fake and and that's in kind of like manipulative in that regard um and also like the nobel peace Prize scene just like there's like one shot like it's like they show him like giving a speech to, <laughs> with the award and then it like cuts to the audience and it's like we made jennifer connelly old do you notice that <laughs> it's like yes okay great good for you you have a makeup department um yeah i like the music in this movie I'll give it that. See, I actually, I think the music is more the part. I guess the music, <laughs> yeah. the, the music, just is kind of designed to make you like feel like, yeah. isn't this so sad? Yeah. isn't this so wild? Isn't he so great? Which I, and it, like I guess like maybe like taken away from this film is yeah. maybe not terrible, but like combined with the images, it's just kind of yeah. annoying.
2: There's not a lot of brilliant film. Was Ron Howard nominated for best director for this movie? He won. That's some bullshit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he beat David Lynch, Peter Jackson for this. Uh, Baz Luhrmann wasn't even nominated. Yeah, that's not cool. That's not cool. Yeah.
2: I, I think after watching Solo, I'm on a whole
0: Ron Howard hatred thing right now. <laughs> he's just kind of okay. Yeah. Apollo 13, I probably the best movie he's made and a great movie. We've talked about how much we love Apollo 13. But, but. is it the directing I don't
1: know. I don't oh, think it's directing. the
2: directing. Yeah. Tom Hanksing. I but the direct. I hate the acting and the technical effects. True. True. Anyway.
0: Well, you need a director to tie it all together. I guess. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. I think I was
1: also just like predisposed to dislike this movie.
0: <laughs> I poisoned you against it. No. Sure. <laughs> there is a conspiracy against like, me. This is
1: true. That is true. Um. I just am predisposed to just like movies about brilliant people mm-hmm. because I'm just I just don't like care <laughs> that you're smart. Um no offense to these guys. They did amazing things. They had great lives, great careers. That's all cool and dandy. I just wouldn't choose on my own to watch a movie about them. Um so yeah. That's that.
0: Alright, well the Academy disagreed with us. Um a beautiful mind was nominated for best film editing. Best Makeup and Hairstyling, because did you notice they made them old. Uh, best original. Best s-
1: Makeup and Hairstyling?
0: Yes.
2: <laughs>
0: it was nominated. That's some a- Nominated. It was
1: nominated. Oh, it was nominated. Yeah. I thought it won. Oh, God. Okay.
0: I actually don't know what won this year. Uh, for <laughs> sorry. That. Uh, sorry. I'll turn it back down. <laughs> <laughs> best Original Score, so they agree with Lars, it was nominated for. It won Adapted Screenplay. Jennifer Connelly won for Best Supporting Actress. Russell Crowe was nominated for Best Actor. Ron Howard won Best Director and it won Best Picture. Moving right along to a movie we all loved, it is Gosford Park. <laughs> directed, by Robert, <laughs> directed by Robert Altman, written by Julian Fellows, starring way too many people. Eileen Atkins, Bob Balaban, Alan Bates, Charles Dance, Stephen Fry, Michael Gambon, Richard E. Grant, Derek Jacoby, Kelly MacDonald, Harold Mirin, Jeremy Northam, Clive Owen, Ryan Philippe, Maggie Smith, Kristen Scott, Thomas, Emily Watson, and One Dog. Um, Gosford Park is... The story of these people live on this estate called Gosford Park, um, and they invite a bunch of people. And it's like it's run by this like wealthy industrialist played by Michael Gambon. He's married to Kristen Scott Thomas. They invite some friends and family over for like a hunting weekend. and Bring them over. Yeah, that's what you do. It, it looks fun aside from the shooting birds, but like but hunting. Yeah. What else right. are you going to hunt? I don't know if I could hunt. Do but you if know? I had to hunt something, I think it would be birds. Anyway, rats. Rats. Um, yeah. <laughs> Cockroaches. Um, so everyone comes, and there's a whole lot of conflict, right? There's, like, romantic intrigue between a few people, even though it's unseen. Um, Christosoph Thomas clearly is miserable with Michael Gambon, so there's that. Um, and then, what's his name? Clive Owen is this very mysterious guy. Um... Who is a valet for one of the other characters? Um, Same thing, Ryan Phillippe. He's also kind of weird. He doesn't seem like to know the things a valet should know. Um, And so there's there's all this this stuff going on. People are talking at the same time, and then there's a murder. Michael Gambon is murdered, and Stephen Fry shows up to try and figure out who committed the murder. Kathleen, what did you think of this movie? You can't see, but she's shaking her head.
1: I didn't like it. I think that the overarching theme of me in Oscar movies is that I don't like them. But I it was boring, mm-hmm. quite frankly. Um what? And, <laughs> and I just I didn't I couldn't distinguish between any of the characters. They all talked way too quietly. They were just like and the thing is like when I when they finally hit like the climactic part, when like the story is really told and revealed, I'm like, oh. That's, like, a low-key interesting story. You can make that fun. Mm. They just did it. Well,
0: because they tell and they don't show.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's just... Yeah, I think that's probably it. It's just very... It's so boring. It's, like... If Clue was played by a bunch of... (laughs) <laughs> it is yeah, the least interesting game I, I don't have a good analogy, but yes
0: It is the least interesting game of Clue ever played um. And they
2: don't seem to care They're all just sort of them, like
0: Even after the guy dies They're all just sitting there like Ah, indeed, in death
2: <laughs> Crike, ah, the race And the, 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 the genders And the classism <laughs> Ah, it's impediment on um, ping pong ping and then, yeah, and then the
1: guy's wife is just like, yeah, I might sell the house now. And that's kind of convenient for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, You didn't really pay attention to this movie, Lars. I did. Is it? Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's, it's pretty hard to pay attention to. It's true.
2: Um, it, My thing, okay. All right. <laughs> okay. So I feel like, yeah, this movie's trying to, I, I could believe, I could see how this could get nominated, and I'm sure it did for like, best writing like best screenplay screenplay right it's like i'm sure yeah i'm sure this is actually one of the best written films of all time i i could get on board with that i i get that there is nothing in the film it's like this could be a book and that's the that's all Mm -hmm. i needed it to be uh i would never read this book story Eh, i mean i don't know (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, I would never read this. I'm sure it's a
0: great book or something.
1: It be a great graphic novel, I think.
0: That would be so boring. No, it'd be so it'd interesting because <laughs> you'd have to do it like you would be able to do a lot of things to show that there was a lot of concurrent discussion with yeah. like word balloons and panels and yeah. that you, you you could you could do something. I think
1: it'd be good.
0: I, I feel yeah, and
2: I feel like in the writing, I'm sure there are great discussions about like class and gender and race or something. They're all white. I don't know. And like, <laughs> you know, the different
0: labor groups in the house and there's like the workers and the aristocracy. The, the, uh, the, uh, there's like a difference between yeah. like the valleys and like, the, uh, right. like the, and, the kitchen staff.
2: And I get that that's kind of ultimately the point is the gist I picked up. But, I feel like Metropolitan did it better. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, this, I could not <laughs> stop thinking of Metropolitan. <laughs> which is like, I hate because I don't hate. It's fine. I hate other the people in it. Mm-hmm. Which I think this i just feel like it does the whole thing better it's like it's a group of people in a room talking about how fancy and elegant they are and you're supposed to hate them Mm -hmm. um but you actually expose like great revelations on class and race and culture whatever
0: yeah i i think so this is comes directly from the wikipedia page on gosford park and it says um robert altman wanted julian fellows to write a screenplay Um, That was, quote, set in a country house in the 30s and to have a murder in there somewhere, but for it really to be an examination of class. And I feel like Julian Fellows took that request and just made it the most literal he could. Yeah. Like, this is, like, the driest possible way you could execute that idea. Um, And there are, like, moments of, like, I won't say, like, brilliance, but moments of, like, interesting stuff, right? I think, uh, like, the... um, I mean, like, the sort of, like, story about why the is committed itself is interesting. Yes. Um, the, 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 the sort of, like, weird... Like, he's poisoned and then he's stabbed. Like, that's kind of weird. And Stephen Fry shows up and he does a really good job. And he's actually very funny. Um, for uh, five minutes. For five <laughs> minutes. Um, and there's also, like... Like, the one good sort of, like, cinematic thing is that there's a Hollywood producer. Um, he's trying to get a Charlie Chan film made. Charlie Chan, of course, a detective. And, um, as Stephen Fry is coming in his little, like, buggy or whatever, um, you know, it's sort of, like, like, shots of outside as it's coming, and then Bob Alaban's on the phone, like, oh, no, we need, like, this story, blah, 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 and he's sort of, like, seeing the elements that sort of are supposed to build up to what actually happens in this film. But, yeah, it's all sort of revealed by talking, and honestly, like, the sound is kind of, like, maybe it's just because I'm American and don't understand British accents always good, but, like... Oh, as sa- well. Oh, no, whatever. X, <laughs> it's <always> good. <laughs> that came out weird. Um, but, like, the sound just seemed kind of off. Like, it, it's, it's like they tried to get all the... And that's, like, Robert Altman's thing is he, like, has people, like, talking over each other constantly. It's supposed to, like, simulate an actual crowded room. But I just couldn't understand most of what they were yeah, saying. Yeah, it
1: was yet. very hard to understand.
0: And, like, there's so much of it going on and so little of it actually pays off that, like, it doesn't... I feel like it doesn't really matter. Like, I I should be more upset that I couldn't hear it, but, like, I don't know how consequential it actually was.
1: If this was a plot in Downton Abbey, it would kill.
0: Fun fact about that Downton Abbey was supposed to be a spinoff of this movie. Huh. Wow. Yeah.
1: And you know what? I totally see that because when it began, when the movie began, it had a very similar Downton Abbey tone. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be all into this. And then I wasn't. I was all about Downton Abbey, though.
0: Lord Grantham yeah. would be much displeased. Well, it's the thing is Maggie Smith's character in this is like Countess Trentham, mm. and she was supposed to play the same character in Downton Abbey, but they changed it from Trentham to Grantham and just changed a bunch of stuff in it. Um, Fancy. My other thing is this is supposed to be about class. That's awesome. As an American <laughs> living in 2019, like the relevance of like class relations in 1930s England, like I don't really think are super relevant to me, was the thing. It's like, how many of us, like, really still have... I mean, except for, like, the uber-wealthy, like, I feel like there aren't as many butlers in the world. Like, hey, leave Mitt Romney out of this. <laughs> I It just it just seemed kind of like, oh, great. Like, I, it just... The the sort of, like... I didn't feel like I, like, learned anything about class in that time. Like, The Favorite, which I saw recently, I feel like it does the better, like thing illustrating why it was more desirable to be in the upper class than the lower class because
2: it's more personable you don't attach to anyone in this movie there's so many people and they're all doing so many different things that you just they all kind of become a white blur they're all just white people (laughs) (laughs) all talking about the same dumb stuff yeah
0: yeah it's i'm done it's true (laughs) um yeah it's just yeah a lot a lot of arguing about money and just not a lot of the the one the one moment I thought was kind of nice is when the uh, there's like the, there's there's an actor there and he sings a song and it shows all of the people sort of united in their appreciation of the song and just kind of like pausing what they're doing to listen to him it's like ah oh, this is nice oh the piano scene yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was so funny
2: because <laughs> <laughs> he just keeps going even though everyone's <laughs> kind of like ignoring him. yeah
0: yeah uh, whatever oh well well the academy liked this movie. They nominated it for costume design, art direction, at one best surgeon screenplay. Helen Mirren and Maggie Smith were both nominated for supporting actress. Robert Allen was nominated for best director, and it was nominated for best picture. Moving on to another movie that I feel like no one talks about at all In the Bedroom, directed by Todd Field, written by Todd Field and Robert Festinger, starring Sissy Spacek, Tom Wilkinson, Nick Stall, Marissa Tomei, and William Mopether, aka Tom Cruise's cousin. <laughs> yes so <laughs> handsome <laughs> in the bedroom takes place in an idyllic main town where uh nick Stahl plays a kid named frank fowler um who i couldn't tell if i think he was in college he was like home for the summer i thought he was in high school I he was
1: in high or school. he was in
0: high school going into college i really couldn't tell point is he was home for the summer And he strikes up a romance with Marissa Tomei, this very attractive single mother. Of two. Of two.
1: Not officially single yet. Not
0: officially single yet. She is not yet divorced. Um, And so there's some tension between Nick Stahl and William Mopather, who is Marissa Tomei's still legal husband, um, and all of that. And, you know, they, they become kind of the talk of the town because of the age difference. And it's all well and good until it comes to a head... And William Macbether uh, kills Nick Stahl. He's a college graduate. Is a oh, okay.
2: So what? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't pick up on that.
1: The, nowhere <laughs> in the movie do they suggest. Well, they, that. they say
0: he's going he, to medical school, which no, he, no, that was it like arch, an architectural program. Because I yes, I,
2: he's about to start graduate school for art. Sure. Yes. Yeah.
0: um Like I that I knew he was an architect. I didn't know if he was yes. still in school. Or yeah. Work. They mentioned it's like a post grad. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so then he, is he, the,
1: mm, Okay, continue. He, get, he gets he gets
0: shot and dies. Rip. And that sort of starts to tear Sissy Spacek and Tom Wilkinson apart until they decide something has to be done about this guy William Opether, whose family owns the cannery in town and is. Very powerful. I'm probably not going to face a very long sentence in prison. He gets out on bail, and he's, he's oh, a, I didn't even know he's a that. Triggering presence. Yeah, he gets out on bail, and he sort of haunts the family. Yeah, um, somewhat unintentionally, it seems. What you had a question, Kathleen?
1: I didn't know that he was a powerful person. I thought he was a scumbag. Yeah, it's
0: because his last name is Strout, and you see Strout is the like all the like the car, or, like, oh. the so I did connect himself. that? He himself is not powerful. His family is. Yeah.
1: I, I did connect that, but I also was like, it's a cannery, like.
0: <laughs> I mean, it probably employed most of the people. I mean, probably yeah In the town, um, you had another question.
1: I am just mad that he's a college graduate, and that was not clearly... okay. Oh, I think because that makes it way, is... better. Yeah. No, <laughs> that way better. Yeah, no, it is way better. But <laughs> my thing is, like, then why is their age difference such a big thing? Because it's, okay. what, probably, like, 10 years?
0: It, but, like, if your son came home for the summer and started going out with, like, a single mother, like, 10 to 15 years older than him, who's married, who's technically still married, like, that would raise some eyebrows.
1: Yes, it would raise some eyebrows. I'd be more concerned about the still married thing than the age thing. Especially since her husband is abusive.
0: Oh well, yeah. and But that's the thing. It's like They talk about it, but they're never like, they're never like oh no, how are we going to get her away from this girl? And that's kind of the conflict, right? The sister's is like, you have to go to grad school. And he's like, I don't know, I might just stay here, be like a fisherman, um, and hang out with Marissa Tomei and the kids.
1: Which is super lame. Because also, also, another problem I have with this, if he truly loved her, and I believe he did. Mm-hmm. He would go to graduate school so that he could provide a good life for
0: them. Well, she wants, she saying, wants him to go to graduate school.
1: Not saying anything against fishermen. <laughs> I'm just saying that I think everyone in that town knew that he would have a better opportunity if he went to graduate school.
0: Probably, yes. What did you think of this movie overall, though, Cap? You as large as crinkle. on the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking
2: for my bag of fishermen's friend to make a joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what is fisherman's it's friend? It's a breath. It's a. Cold man, don't worry.
1: <laughs> um, thoughts on this movie? I have few. I like it wasn't so it wasn't it was not at all what I was expecting it to be. I knew someone died very early on in the film, which spoiler alert, they do. We already covered that. I thought they died of a disease.
2: No. <laughs>
1: um. Gun
0: violence. Gun violence. <laughs> is true. The disease. Um, oh, the CDC is legally prevented from researching it. But...
1: Um, but I, I didn't, I just had trouble. I think because of that, I had trouble following it just because I didn't know if I was supposed to be paying attention to Marissa Tomei or the parents or whatever. Otherwise it was like enjoyable to watch. It was like fine. It was not something that I would particularly recommend. But I think again, it's like, I feel like this is something that like, would be on TV, and it would just be playing in the background, and you be okay with it.
0: It's a very quiet movie. Yeah. And I think that kind of works to its uh, benefit. Yeah. Um, you
1: no, know what scene I didn't like? What? Fucking lobsters. <laughs> Fun fact to our listeners. I do not like lobsters. <laughs> I love eating them. Do you not like looking at them? At about two weeks prior to watching this movie, I was explaining my phobia of, of crustaceans to Mike and Lars. And then what happens, but we have to watch the lobsters.
0: Yeah, so in the bedroom is sort of, like, it has multiple meanings in this movie. There's a bedroom-style trap that um, can trap two lobsters in at the same time, and then eventually they kind of fight, and usually one loses a claw. It's sort of like what they explain at the beginning of the movie, because they're all sort of casual lobsters. Um, and that sort of, yeah. that, 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 like, image of the bedroom comes up a lot. Um, you have... Tom Wilkins and Steve Spaycheck literally share a bedroom and start kind of sniping at each other. Um, Nick Saul gets a call to come over to Mr. Tomei's house while he's in the bedroom. Mr. Tomei is in a bedroom when he is shot. There's a lot of stuff going on there. One of those movies with, like, symbols and stuff. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) smart smart guy What did you think of it So, um, the more I think about this movie,
2: the more I like it. Right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I actually think this it took me a little while, but like the last act of this film, I think oh, yeah. is really good. Oh, it's great. Where the well, it's great. The, the spoiler,
0: the dad decides to go and like kill the guy. Yeah. And the 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 mm-hmm. the the reasoning for it is interesting too, because it's not just like he killed my son, I have to kill him. It's yeah. like he killed my son and it's like haunting my wife and tearing us apart, so I have to just remove him from the picture. Yeah.
2: He's like a triggering presence in yeah. the town.
0: Mhm.
2: Um And it's like it's like it's it's like deep. It's very real feeling for like what turns into like a murder intrigue movie all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, It feels very like real and grounded in reality for some. I don't know. It's almost like I felt almost like Cohen brothersy in the last like act of the film, film, with like he shows up, he's got the ticket. Like there's this plan, Mm -hmm. um, and it's very just like gradual. Like I'm gonna kill you now. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the, last act that, the last act of the movie was really fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I would watch the last act again. I don't know yeah. if I would watch the first yeah. acts
0: again. Yeah, what, what I think, I, I was, you know, there's. I feel like there's a genre of movie where it's just, like, sad person is sad. Um, like, I, I keep comparing this movie to Manchester by the yeah. Sea because they're both about sad people in New England. Um, but then my thing of Manchester by the Sea is so he just kind of mopes around town it gives you, like, little flashbacks, like, ah, maybe this is why he's sad, maybe that's why he's sad, but then you find out, and it's sad, but maybe ultimately underwhelming. What I think this does really well is that um, you get Nick Stahl for, like, the first 20 minutes of this movie, and he's great, like, he's super charismatic, he's a handsome dude, like, he's really good with Marissa Tomei's kids, like, you love him.
1: That's so sweet.
0: And then he dies, and, he, like, his absence is felt throughout the film. Yeah. Like this, the guy who's, like, the light of a couple people's lives is just, like, gone. And that's really felt, and, like, you understand why that would just, like, make people kind of insane. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like the way it shows people grieving is kind of... Sorry, Lars is putting a, a chapstick behind me. It's weird. Um, it, the, the different ways, like, Sissy Spacek and Top deal with grief. Sissy Spacek just very much retreats inward and becomes sort of bitter... Um, And Tom Wilkinson is just kind of, like, tries to go about his daily routine, but is clearly just kind of off and angry. Um, And I think there are some scenes there, like, maybe that goes on a little too long. You could maybe cut out, like, ten minutes of them being sad. Like, there's a whole scene at the graveyard where Sissy Spacek is talking to the priest, and he talks about how this woman who lost a son had this dream, where there's this whole line of women walking in the line, so all the women who had lost children, like, it's just kind of... That
1: was lame. I didn't... it,
0: it, it, It wasn't... It didn't... It felt more... I guess it's kind of Hollywood than the rest yeah. of this movie felt. Um, but Tom Wilkinson, who I think is, like, amazing in this movie, um, yeah, is really good. I don't know where it's going. But, yeah, and, like, the last act. It's just the... It, it just builds tension so much. Because you don't actually know what's going to happen. Yeah. Because um, he's, like... He, it sounds like he's going to, like, put him... Send him on a trip. And uh, William Opinette, like, just get out of the state. But, like, he has, like, Amtrak tickets and... He's bringing up to the, he's just driving on a dark road, bringing this place like in this cabin in the woods. And there's like a couple shots that are like, I'll wait until the siren passes because it's going to upset me.
2: <laughs>
0: like, there, there's one scene when they actually do kill William Opether and they're dragging his body on the back of like an ATV and it's like, l- like red lit and it's very like, it's very Twin Peaks, it's very yeah. David Lynch, it's yeah. very cool actually um and just the sort of emptiness you can probably interpret the the ending in a bunch of different ways but the way it seemed like is tom wilkinson comes home he's like yeah "Yeah, i did it he just lies down in bed and he's just so empty because what has he actually accomplished and he has a band-aid that's on his finger and he because he got cut by a lobster earlier and he was bleeding he takes the band-aid off and there's still a scab because the band-aid he put on over himself after killing William Apather really didn't heal anything. It just masked it for a little bit.
1: I mean, not even a little bit.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's literally been, like, hours by yeah. that point, so. But just sort of, like, the the futility of the situation was really well conveyed. Yeah. yeah,
1: and it's like I knew that was where it was going when they killed him. As soon as I knew that, like... Um, and I knew what I do appreciate about it is that it's not a revenge story mm-hmm. it's a story of trying to bring peace to his family and how do you do that when you see when you're living in the same town with your son's killer and you see him every single day just yeah. about, you about know, buying groceries doing this thing so I do appreciate that this wasn't revenge it wasn't like he was boiling over with anger and like mm. pulled the trigger it was I am doing this to remove that trigger so I yeah. no longer have it in my mind but the truth is, it's not, that trigger does create stress, but that trigger is not the stress itself. Um, and yeah, mm-hmm. I wish that like I think maybe I wish I had like a second longer or like a, like a little bit longer of to for them to like expo- examine that or maybe like to foreshadow. I think it would be better foreshadowed. Um, but like if that if that conversation with the priest had not been about been about the woman, but about something more Mm -hmm. about, like, the, um, the, the seed of grief or something like that, I think would have been.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. It would have been more complete for me.
0: There's another great scene in this that I just like pointing out. So Sissy Spaycheck is, like, the choir director, I guess, at, like, a school. Um, At least that's what, uh, she definitely is a choir director of some kind. And she's sitting in the auditorium sort of, like, listening to music and taking notes and Mrs. Tomei comes up and is like... Hey, I'm sorry about what happened. And Sissy Spacek doesn't say anything. Just turns around and smacks her across the face. Um, which is just this sort of like misplaced... Uh, channeling of her sort of grief and anger. But really is just kind of like powerful in a, in a way. And also just like the way that their sort of grief... It actually doesn't stop the world from turning. It stops their worlds from turning but not everyone else's. Like there's a scene arguably like kind of the climax of this movie or at least one of the climaxes when Tom Wilkins and his Spadechaker are just like arguing going at each other about like why he died like like she's like oh you were too lax he's like you were too strict blah 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 and they're arguing arguing, arguing and somebody rings the doorbell and it's like a little girl selling chocolate bars yeah. yeah and he's just like "Uh, okay and he's just trying to figure out what he wants to buy and he comes back with chocolate bars and it's just so misplaced but it's just like perfect because like the world doesn't stop turning um, even as much as they might want it to so, yeah, good movie, I yeah, think, the conclusion of movie. With. Um, the Academy agreed, but they did not actually give it anything. It was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. Uh, Marissa Tomei was nominated for Supporting Actress. Cece Spaychek was nominated for Actress. Tom Wilkinson was nominated for Actor, and it was nominated for Best Picture.
1: What was it adapted from?
0: A short story called Killings by Andre Dubois. Or Dubus. D U B U S, I don't know how to pronounce it. Okay. And like this, I feel like this movie's kind of like a short story, and I could see this being like a really good short story. Yeah. Um, all right, on to uh, more blockbustery fare: The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, directed by Peter Jackson, screenplay by Fran Walsh, Philip Boyans, and Peter Jackson, based on The Fellowship of the Ring by J.R.R. Tolkien, starring Elijah Wood, Ian McKellen, Liv Tyler, Viggo Mortensen, Sean Astin, Kate Blanchett, John Rhys-Davies, Billy Boyd, Dominic Monaghan, Orlando Bloom, Christopher oh. Lee, Hugo Weaving... Sean Bean. I almost called him Sean Bond. <laughs> it's Sean Bijan. Yeah. <laughs> Ian Holm, Andy Serkis, and Sala Baker. Sean Bean. Scene Bean. His name bothers me. <laughs> so this movie takes place in Middle Earth. Um, Maybe you've heard of it. Yes. I don't know how I can really explain this plot, because there's a lot going on. There's one ring to rule them all. Yes. And, it fo- and it's in Bilbo Baggins, A Hobbit. Currently has it. Yeah. Um... And he's in Hobbiton, and he's getting... He's very bored, because he was a great adventurer, and he's getting ready to leave. And he's old. And he's old. (laughs) Um, And his nephew, Frodo, um, catches him on his way out, basically, about to leave. Does he catch him, or does Gandalf? Gandalf catches him. Gandalf catches him. He finds out he has the ring, and turns out Sauron, the Dark Lord, knows that the ring is out there and is going to try and capture it. And so Gandalf is like, we have to destroy this ring in the fires of Mount Doom. Um, and Bilbo can't do it because he's too corrupted by the ring at this point. He loves its power. Um, and that's kind of the thing. Most people are just not immune to the power of the ring because it's very powerful. Frodo only a hand is. And actually when he turns it on, he turns invisible. It's a kind of fun little quirk of it.
1: Well, so I
0: mean, he's sort. He's sort of so Bilbo, That's geez, true.
1: I think so, everybody.
2: Not, it's not that he's invulnerable to it. It's that he's not been corrupted yet. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He he struggles with it. It's, it's like, like
1: in Harry Potter the Horcrux. Yeah. The second you hold it, it doesn't turn you bitter, but mm-hmm. the longer you have it, right?
2: True. It's and like and if the more powerful you are, the worse it is. It's like mm-hmm. that's why like. Uh, Bilbo tries to give it to Gandalf, and Gandalf is like, keep that thing the fuck away from me. Mm-hmm. Which I think is so, oh, that scene gives me chills. And Gandalf's like, I cannot touch that. Mm-hmm. I, it will not end well. <laughs> yeah. because um, it's like George Washington giving up his power, you right? Know? it's so, it's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then they go on an adventure. Yeah. They start, so basically they start they're an gonna
1: adventure. go and they're gonna bring the ring because it's Bad News Bears. They're gonna bring the ring to the mountain of... Mount, Mount Doom. Doom. Mount Doom. Very creative name. To toss it into the fires of Mount Doom so that it can melt and no one can have it, and therefore nobody can rule them all. But
2: the main like oomph of the movie is like they have to form the Fellowship. Because yes, Frodo cannot
0: go alone. He
2: has three like Hobbit,
0: three hem- Hobbit friends: <laughs> Sam, Merry, and Pippin. Um, an elf, Legolas, the human ranger Aragorn, and the dwarf Gimli. And the other human. And the other, <laughs> other human, Boromir.
2: Yeah. Um. So they have to go in an adventure venture to go take the ring into the fires of Mount
0: Doom. Yes, and they're pursued by Sauron's forces, including the, the Ringwraiths, Ringwraiths and a bunch of Urukai oh. and orcs. Ringwraiths are so dope. They're so creepy. And also <laughs> Isengard has been corrupted by Saruman, um, Gandalf's former, Dooku. <laughs> former leader. Did um, a
1: say former lover? No, <laughs>
0: not like, lover. Hmm. That's implied. Um, <laughs> who is sort of selling out to Sauron because he wants the power? Yeah, a lot going on here. What what did we think,
2: though? <laughs> um, <laughs> Lars,
0: oh, have we we've all seen it before. No. I've seen uh, I've seen like most of this movie, the end of Two Towers, and all of Return of the King. Okay. I
1: have seen the end of the last movie, is that Return of the King? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and potentially all of the second movie, but I only remember about ten minutes.
2: The second
0: one used to be on like TBS all the time. I remember well, I borrowed the, the, from the Worst from. Anyway, I this one's great.
2: Um, yeah, it had been, it's been like 10 plus years since I saw the three of them. Um, I really enjoyed it. Because last time I watched it, I was probably like 11 or 12 or something. Um, really liked it this time. It's like, it's so badass and it's like, the effects are really good. Um, for the time like there's huge scenes mm-hmm. in this film
0: um, they literally had to invent like new technology to film yeah. some of these scenes
2: um, like all the scenes with like the orcs getting born mm-hmm. under uh, 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 Isengard, Isengard. Um, or like the battle at the beginning and, like the ringwraiths s- there's like scariness it's like sc- oh like when the ringwraiths are like chasing them there's like legit horror there um, but it's also like an adventure in friendship
1: so much friendship in this movie. Yeah,
2: so pure. Also, so like pure. Aragorn, Neil <laughs> <Ego laughs> yeah. Morrison looks so hot for the only movie he's ever looked hot in. Um, he <laughs> sure. well, did it well. Though. Yeah, Lego is a total badass. Um, yeah, it's I, I like it. It's good. It's got it's kind of got everything for me. It's like good story, even though it's just one mm. of three. Um, yeah, the acting, I think, there's nothing wrong. Yeah. Um, it's got a good plot. It's got a good like. Mu- oh, the music's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the shot's really good. Like, it's just great. It's a great looking movie.
0: It is, yeah, I, yeah. The there's like this one shot of Isengard where it's like there's a there's a moth flying through Isengard, and it shows just kind of like this like network of like orc building stuff and like mines that like they've built. And it's all, like, dark and evil, and, like, in one shot, it's, like, swooping all over that, and then gets to the top of the tower, where Ganondorf is being held prisoner, and he, like, tells a little secret and flies away. Um, But it's just, like, an amazing... (laughs) I'm gay. It's just, like, an amazing shot. Um, just, like, a real... It's just, like, just... It's just, I don't know, the effects are, like... I was interested to see how they would, like, sort of hold up the effects. I'd say, like, the practical effects, like, the orcs, still look really, really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Some of like like maybe like the wire work is looks a little dated now. Like when there's the fight between Gandalf and Saruman. Like it yeah, looks a little yeah. silly. Yeah. Um they do a lot of like slow motion in this that, that again is not is has fallen kind of out of vogue. Oh, I like it though. I think it works. <laughs> but by and large, this is like a very I mean like y- you all know about it, right? Just like a, an amazing technical feat and just like very very it's like the other thing too is that it's from what I know I've not read the books but it, it just seems like a very straight retelling of the books um which is I think is cool it's I true. just think it's weird yeah. that they took this sort of like massive massive story and and granted they cut like some things out but they were just kind of like we're gonna try to tell this like as completely as we can um and just like really it's like this is, this is super like bold and like a crazy vision to execute um
1: and the fact that they did it well I was like wild mm-hmm. um, because there's like so many fanboys of, of yeah. uh, Lord of the yeah. Rings it's an entire culture and like if you think it, if you look at other like massive films like or stories like this they can go so poorly mm-hmm. um, especially when it comes to fantasy and I'm someone I'm not a huge fantasy fan I don't dislike fantasy it just doesn't capture me um, so I tend to not be critical but be a little disenchanted with fantasy stuff Um, but, like, this just was, like, it did everything so well. It was so beautiful, so magical. Like, I don't understand how you could watch this and not be absolutely enthralled with it.
2: There's not, I think that's a good point, there's not a lot of vitriol for it. It's like, I actually have never
0: heard anyone be like, oh, that's a bad movie. Yeah. Even, like, people who are, like,
2: diehard Lord of the Rings
0: fans. Yeah because like yeah like I like this and I feel like Harry Potter could kind of link them because it was yeah. like massive undertakings like you have Harry Potter you have people who have like serious qualms with some of the movies and they leave major stuff out okay? yeah yeah um, yeah but like yeah. yeah this these seem to be pretty universally beloved yeah um, and there it it's it's
2: like a, it's a tight three hours you know you get a yeah, lot yeah yeah it, it kind of flew by I feel mm-hmm.
1: like and compared to even like as much as I loved Braveheart. Braveheart definitely felt like three hours. Mm -hmm. This did not feel like three hours.
0: Yeah. No. One part where it maybe drags a little bit is like the like Witch of the Wood or whatever. Oh yeah. Like Cape Lancho. Oh yeah. It's just like kind of, it felt like a diversion. But I mean, still, still real good.
1: I'm sure in the book it made more sense.
0: Yeah. This is the one that excited, like I'm actually so pumped to rewatch this whole trilogy. Mm Mm-hmm yeah and just like a lot of good themes right like yeah. corrupting nature of power inherent evil that comes in defiling the world's natural splendor I wrote all this down so why it sounds red um and the all-conquering bond of friendship and the triumph of beauty and purity it's that's, like that's so nice
1: it's like it's such a pure movie yeah everything about this movie is pure it was done beautifully the, the actors just portrayed everything so Genuinely, and everything about this movie like I guess this is thanks to J.R.R. Tolkien is like pure all the themes are pure there are so many beautiful male friendships in this movie <laughs> which we always need to see more of it's so good Sam, Sam.
0: <laughs> yeah it is yeah. yeah also wild I didn't realize how little Gollum is in this movie
2: yeah I mean yeah. he's more foreshadowed yeah. than
0: anything else yeah yeah um yeah I think is that all we have to say on this yeah
2: yeah
0: um we'll talk about Lord of the Rings more (laughs) because we have two (laughs) more movies to talk about um The Fellowship of the Ring was one best visual effects was nominated for editing nominated for sound nominated for best song made B by Enya uh one original score rightfully so yes Um, one cinematography one makeup both rightfully so um Nominated for costume design, art direction, adapted screenplay. Ian McKellen was nominated for supporting actor. Mm -hmm. Pierre Jackson was nominated for best director. And, of course, the movie itself, nominated for best picture. All right. Last one to go. And it is Moulin Rouge. Directed by Baz Luhrmann. Written by Baz Luhrmann and Craig Pierce. Starring Nicole Kidman, Ewan McGregor-John Leguizamo, Jim Broadbent, and Richard Roxburgh. This is the story of a young British lad who goes to France to become a Bohemian writer. Um, he meets some Bohemians, led by toulouse Latroc, and they go to the Moulin Rouge, um, where through a, a series of misunderstandings, um, he ends up meeting Satine. Satine, who's like the most beautiful woman at the Moulin Rouge, and everyone loved her. She's like the star, she's yes. like girl. And a prostitute. Yes, and a <laughs> prostitute. And sort of the deal that uh, she and Jim Broadbent, the owner of the millers, are trying to strike up is that he essentially would give Satine to the Duke, played yes. director Roxburg Roxburgh, um, so that he would finance it and turn it from sort of this burlesque brothel into a actual theater. And so um, they're trying to sort of, like, make sure that happens while Satine and... Uh, christian, christian go uh carry on this 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 secret romance and just kind of like well because christian becomes the writer for the he play, becomes the writer for the play the Duke is sponsoring the duke is sponsoring it and tragedy becomes inevitable because it turns out she has tuberculosis
2: yeah and you learn at the beginning of the movie that she dies
0: yes that's true yeah Yeah, Kathleen, what would you think?
1: Um, this movie was fun. Mm-hmm. It was enjoyable. It moved. The beginning moves super fast, and I was a little worried that I was like, "Oh God, this is just a headache. This it's, is just gonna be a headache." It's very nauseating. Um, but it slows down once they kind of get to they kind of speed through a lot of it to get to the crux of the movie, and then once you hit once everything comes together, it becomes normally paced. Um, it's fun because they take a lot of popular songs and reinvent them into their own kind of music, which is something I that I always like <laughs> 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 um, uh, And I think, I don't know, uh, yeah, that's all I have to say right now. I'll comment on what you guys have to say.
0: <laughs> I really like this movie, and I was not really, I, I don't know what I was expecting to think. I The only Baz Luhrmann movie I would seen otherwise was The Great Gasping. I really didn't like that. Hmm. But,
1: just realized that it was the same director and i can see the ties
0: there just people throwing glitter constantly he's a very visual guy (laughs) um really likes his glitz um i yeah the first 20 minutes was was overwhelming um and i was like god this is just like sort of weird and like a little dated but it eventually yeah it it, it gets very intriguing and it's just a lot of fun Mm -hmm. um I don't know that like I buy the whole recreating popular songs and show tunes thing, but like they do it pretty well. Um, I, the The Roxanne scene I think is probably like the highlight of the film. Mm-hmm. It's very dark tango and just a lot a lot going on, very overwhelming, um, but just yeah, in, enjoyable overall. Like just like and even like the the weird little flourishes like the. uh, when they drink absinthe and then Kylie Minogue flies out of the bottle <laughs> as the green fair and is like, a weird little dance. Like, that was... It's just, like... It's just kind of, like, a weird, very, like, psychedelic kind of, like, thing that I, I found really intriguing.
2: And it, 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 you don't see a lot of movies like this. No,
0: no. And I think, too, it's, like, this is kind of, like, a weird... Like, a, not weird, but, like, it, it's... Like, there, like, the early and mid-2000s, there's a lot of this stuff going on with, like, mash and jukebox musicals, and I feel like this is a big, like, harbinger for that. Um, and it's, like, kind of, like, taking the remix culture idea and putting it on sort of, like, an older form, which is, like, the movie musical, and trying to sort of, like, youth in it, if that's a word, make it more youthful by putting in... Like, so, like... like They, they basically are... It's basically, like, sampling in a weird way, mm-hmm. right? And basically remixing in its pastiche. I mean, it's sort of, like, this very interesting pop art
1: yeah I think I would say that this entire movie is more like art than it is like film if that makes sense where it was more of like a show than it was like oh we're gonna tell you like I feel like this the story obviously matters but I feel like at the end of the day it's like a creative story but it's also a rather simple story Mm -hmm. and it ends pretty easily with Satine's death yeah where there's no I mean like they admit that they love each other and then they literally just die like or she dies instantly. So there's no like fairy tale happy ending, there's no real struggle between the two love interests. So I think a lot of it was like what? there's this I mean there is, <laughs> but it's not like the end of that is not some huge like the ending of that that conflict is not what ends the film or what changes the film. So I feel like it's all kind of a capsule to carry the more art of the film.
0: Yeah. Well, it's kind of like a Shakespearean play or like an opera and like Baz Luhrmann directed opera. Like that's how he got started. Um, so where it's like, you're supposed to kind of know the story and mm-hmm. the idea is like the music and the staging and all of that. And that's, this song, this movie has like a rhythm to it and it sort of flows like a song I find. Um, the way it opens with like the red there's like almost an overture like the red the red Mm. curtain opens and it sort of like goes into it and it closes again with the red curtain and it's actually very affecting because it it closes on you know she's dead she's gone it's all stinks um and that that to me like works really well and it has just a lot of fun with how it looks like I think actually one of my favorite parts aside from the Roxanne scene is um it's like after the rehearsal and it's like uh, Ewan McGregor and Nicole Kidman like sneak away to like make out behind a curtain and like the cameras like that's like showing is kind of like handheld and like like shaking a little bit and it's sort of like digital and just kind of like ooh sneaking around like it and there, there's a lot of fun stuff like that I found
2: so I, I had seen it before um, I yeah I, it's very I do think it's very Shakespearean it feels like you're watching a play mm-hmm. um, and all of the like the, you know, missed identification. There's, like, all of the Shakespearean tropes are in this movie. It's, like, missed identification, or mistaken identities. That's what it's called. And just
0: also having them putting on a play that mirrors the actual story of the thing. Yeah, yeah. Um... Uh... I... I...
2: Yeah, I don't mind the music. I think the, like, a virgin scene is hilarious. Oh, yes. Richard Roxburgh is hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. The Duke is just so funny. Yeah. Um... I really like the Ewan McGregor, like, in the elephant scene where it's, like, she thinks he's there to sleep with her, and he thinks that she wants to hear his song, um, and then he sings Elton John's your song, and it's beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. I think that part's a little overrated. I, I really oh, the, I, that's... Uh, I
1: like the lead-up to the song, and then when they hit the song, I just stopped, like, Oh, I
2: like it. He <laughs> gets so into it. Um, um, I, like, the the I really like the like the explosion of the actual set of the play mm-hmm. in the movie mm-hmm. like at the end where it's like I don't, I don't remember how it how it intrigues, but it's like they have the um who's the guy that owns Moulin Rouge LeBrock or whatever
0: um I forget his name but he is played
2: by Jim Broadbent yeah um he's like she's mine and like the, like, set explodes mm-hmm. open, it's just this huge, like, um, like, Indian visual, it's really, and the music, it's, it's good, I think there's a lot of great, great stuff there, um, I think, I've, so I think the first 20 minutes, because mm-hmm. they are, I tried to show this film to my sister once, <laughs> um, and she hated the first five minutes so much, she was like, I'm done. I'm turning this off. Which she never does. She, it was, like, the only time this has ever happened. And I kind of feel... Because I've started watching The Wire. And I feel like the first episode... I'm interested to hear what this is. Yeah, okay. So the first episode of The Wire, right? <laughs> um, it's like, people find it very difficult to, like, get through and then keep watching the show. Mm-hmm. But I was, but I, like because it's dense and it's heavy and there's, like, a lot that goes on. like, oh, this this, this is a lot for me. Um, and so you kind of, like, lose interest. But once you push through that, it's great. So, what I... I feel like it's the same way. We're like, Moulin Rouge, it's like... It's like pre-screening you. It's like, you gotta be okay with this and then it's gonna be good. It's like, you... If you're not gonna be okay with these first 20 minutes and it's gonna be a lot, um then, yeah, turn it off. And I, but I think it mellows out. But it's like, it's it really sets it up as, you know, fast and intense. And, and I like Angus Kathleen's point, um, that it's like, it really just is to get the plot going. It's like, it wastes no time introducing you to anyone. It's really just like, yep, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. Also her, 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 this guy, this guy. Now go, movie. And then, like, you're just thrown into the middle of the plot um i yeah i think it's just very unique i yeah you don't see a lot of, i haven't seen a film like this see
0: like i can't think of any modern similar thing yeah no i yeah. can't either and similar uh in a way to lord of the rings where it's like it's very i don't know if i call it pure but it is it is like not ironic at all yeah <laughs> it's, it's very front. it's very like hard on its sleeve and earnest um, which can be grating a little bit, I think, in the way that Baslarman can be grating. Yeah. But I think, mm, for the most part, it's to its benefit. Certainly at the end. Um, Above all things, I believe in love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, like that, I'm just kind of like, uh, yeah. ah, this is lame. But like, yeah. the, the... Well, that's the,
1: that's the bohemian... The bohemian
0: idea. ideal. Yeah. It's like beauty and freedom and love or something like truth. that. true. Yeah. And truth, <laughs> yeah. And John Leguizamo, most annoying voice in this movie. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. good movie yeah <laughs> I, I yeah good movie um the academy also liked it they nominated for best sound Best makeup at one art direction one costume design it was nominated for cinematography film editing nicole kidman was nominated for best actress and it was nominated for best picture baz Luhrmann, rob of a director nomination if i don't say so myself
2: mm-hmm.
0: all right so do you're a voting member of the academy of motion picture arts and sciences the year is now 2002, and you are given a ballot that lists A Beautiful Mind, Gosford Park, In the Bedroom, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, and Moulin Rouge. What do you vote for? Michael, go ahead. Oh, uh, no, I, I I need to think No, first.
2: no. <laughs> Kathleen. Lord of the Rings. Why?
1: It was just across the board stellar. I feel like you cannot... It might not have been the most like, oh unique storyline ever, but I think that just what they did was beautiful, and there's no way anyone could ever say that that movie lacked in any sort of way, and I just love it. And it's just like, give the fantasy movie the award, you know? (laughs) I feel like fantasy movies never win, and again, I'm not a huge fantasy fan, but when it's done this well, it deserves to be recognized.
0: Yeah. Lars, what do you think?
2: Okay, so I went into this recording. I thought I was going to give it to Mulholland. Sorry. Oh, oh that was a that <laughs> that was Freudian, Freudian slip. slip. Oh, <laughs> oh, my. Uh, to uh, Moulin Rouge, um, which is uh, definitely my second choice. I also have to agree. It's Lord of the Rings. Oh, I kind of low-key yes. forgot we watched Lord of the Rings. <laughs> um, yeah, duh. Like It's got to be Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah. It's It like works on every level, and it's... Like, the best adaptation of, like, a high fantasy thing that's ever happened.
0: It's just...
2: Yeah. Michael. I am
0: super, super, super torn between Lord of the Rings and Moulin Rouge. I... And I think I'm gonna go with Moulin Rouge. Mm. Um, I don't know. I just really appreciated the... Way it was structured and the way it ties itself together at the end. I enjoy, I just, the, the uniqueness of like the vision um, that was required to make it. I, there's something about it that just satisfies this weird sort of like um, combination of like liking old timey show business and then also liking um, more modern innovations to that. And it's weird because as I say this all now, I feel kind of like dirty for not picking Lord of the Rings. Yeah, you should. But it's... my so here's my thing with The Fellowship of the Ring which is again a great great movie and like Michael hates it. <laughs> I, I really enjoy it but like there's just something about the fact that it really doesn't have an ending <laughs> that sits kind of weird with me as far as giving it the best picture award and like I know why it, like cause you know it's the first part of a trilogy and I get that that's fine but i feel like it just kind of ends with them walking off into the distance and that but like now that i say it like this i'm gonna give it to lord of the rings i'm gonna switch my um, yeah. i've i've talked myself into it i just can't in good conscience, not give it to lord of the rings yeah. and give it to Moulin rouge instead because Moulin rouge i think has more problems than lord of the rings yeah it's got um, more moments that's just like really yeah it's like it could have done things slightly better right but Mulan Rouge is a very very close second yeah. followed by In the Bedroom yeah and yeah yeah, I agree and yeah. then like yes. a Beautiful Mind and Gosford a Beautiful Mind is better than Gosford Park right yeah, yeah. 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 yes I'll, I'll give it that so I'll, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll I, I'd give it fourth place for Jennifer Connelly and Russell Crowe um, but I'm looking at the list of movies that came out in 2001 there are actually a lot that I would have nominated <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> um, instead Ocean's Eleven Mulholland Drive. Mulholland Drive. David Lynch was nominated for Best Director for Mulholland Drive, and you that was the only won, nomination it got. Which is bullshit. You I'm sick. Won. Hollywood hates David Lynch. They do, and they'll pay for it. They do. Um, Ocean's Eleven, so much fun. Monsters Inc. Monsters Inc. <laughs> Shrek. Okay. It won. Sure, it's not it Shrek Two. Won the it Won the inaugural Best Animated Feature Award. Princess
1: um, Diaries.
0: Yeah, Princess. Did that come out this year? It did. I would not nominate that, though it is pretty Um, good. Black Hawk Down. The original Harry Potter, I think, may... I feel like it's the...
2: In the way, like... (laughs) Maybe I don't want to say this. (laughs) I kind of feel like it... I I feel about it the way I feel about, like, Black Panther getting nominated for this year. It's like... it It is also such an undertake and it's like it's just so important mm. and I feel like they it looks like the original Harry Potter movie looks so inter- it's like visually mm. like they pull it off really well the whole like Harry Potter universe thing
0: I, I don't know I kind of I, I might nominate it I might
1: yeah
0: um Royal Tenenbaums mm, I really like that
1: movie mm. I don't I would nominate the best picture though
0: yeah, yeah
2: I don't know good. that I would either there are at least five that i would give before that
0: that's fair okay (laughs) well sorry um, (laughs) mike that uh that does it that does it for 2001 um our next episode we'll be talking about 2002 (laughs) the movies nominated for that year are chicago gangs of new york the hours the lord of the rings the two towers and the pianist (laughs) Alright, well, we're all seem pretty underwhelmed by that.
1: Um, I'm excited for at least two of those, three of those.
0: Lord of the Rings would be great. Lord of the
1: Rings, Gangs of New York.
0: I'm excited to watch Chicago.
1: And Chicago, yeah. I like Burlesque, so I'm into that. I think
0: we're going to hate The Hours. What
1: is that about?
0: about? It's like an adaptation kind of of Mrs. Dalloway by Virginia Woolf. But it's like, it takes place in like three different sort of like women's lives as they kind of live out the plot to Mrs. Dalloway. It seems real depressing. I hate it already.
1: Uh, (laughs) Not placing any judgments, but preparing for disappointment.
0: All right. Well, as always, thanks for listening. Um, You can, we we should talk about who we are, shouldn't we? Um, I'm Michael Levito. (laughs) You can follow me on Twitter at mlevito, and I'm on Letterboxd as Meramike. I'm Lars. I'm on Letterboxd at Lars
2: Emerson. Uh,
1: I'm Kathleen Levito. I'm on Letterboxd at Kathleen Levito, but I don't post anything there. (laughs) If you want to see me alive and well, go to Instagram at Rise to the Sun.
0: There you go. Thanks so much for listening. Follow us on iTunes and Spotify. We're on those places now. iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We of course are on SoundCloud as well, and visit the dot a website that all three of us write and contribute for and edit, and we we make all the content there is the point. Um, and if you want to contribute, reach out to us. Maybe we'll let you. Um,
1: <laughs> Maybe.
0: Anyway, thanks so much for listening to the Real Life Oscar Challenge, and as always, I I'm gonna try and leave with a quote. I don't have one now. Um, Keep it secret. Keep it safe. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Um we hope you enjoyed what we had to say. Goodbye.
1: Bye. Bye. <laughs>